courtesy of Bob the Engineer, Dolly the Reception, and yes, your host, your servant, the Jester. Oh, my Lord. We're wired that way. No point in fighting it. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell with the Thrills of Houston, Texas. We don't only sing, but we dance. In every Chevrolet showroom across America, more and more people are looking at the car that's just out and just wonderful. The 1957 Chevrolet. Some are looking at Chevrolet's daring new front-end styling. The bold new grille. Big, beautiful sloping hood. Some are looking at Chevy's handsome new rear end with high fashion fenders and fresh new design. Everyone's enthused about the new color-fashioned interiors and the sleek command post instrument panel. And the biggest news of all, Chevrolet's fuel injection. The greatest engine advance since the overhead valve. Plus, four famous drives topped by new exclusive turbo glide that brings you triple turbine takeoff and a new flowing kind of going. So visit your Chevrolet dealers soon. See the car that goes them all one better. Number one in the USA, the 57 Chevrolet. Another public service announcement from Real Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Chester Radio. <laughs> The complete solution for your home PC. Here I am, in the Hey, 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 good evening, welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Friday, February the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2008. Schwing! And hello, my name is Jimmy Pop, and I'm a dumb white guy. Come on in, have a seat, sit down. Like junior high, Drum. I don't know mofo if y'all peeps be puggin' giving props to my hoe cause she fly, but I can take the heat cause I'm the other white meat known as Kid Sad and mad, I'm hung like planet. Kind of gets uh, under your skin that tune, doesn't it? The roof, the roof. Don't you find yourself walking around during the day? Yeah. Come on in, come on in, have a sit down. Ching, ching. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker. Alright, that'll do, pig. It'll do. It'll do. It'll do very nicely then, don't you know? Hey, welcome to the ravings of a clown on just the radio, don't you know? Coming to you from a secret location, don't you know? 
There's like um, every um, uh, foreign accent has a phrase that goes with it that that like authenticates the accent. You can have a foreign accent, but then say everything in Americanese and it doesn't sound right. You can say, Roy, well, I go up the, uh, on the elevator then, and then everybody knows you're not really British. British people don't say you go on the elevator. So the, f- the special phrase with the Irish people is, don't you know? So you can just say, you know, uh, it's a lovely sunset. You know, so even with the accent, it's a lovely sunset. Again, not, not a lot, you know, but stay with me here. It's a lovely sunset, don't you know? See what I'm saying? You see what I mean? You got a Father Flanagan going on uh, right there. And plus, you can get one of these like for every, you know, group. The British, isn't it? Lovely sunset, isn't it? It's a beautiful day out, isn't it? I see your wife's got nice parties, isn't it? Hey, welcome to the Roofings of a Clane on Jester Radio. It's uh, Friday, February the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2002. Do me a favor. Get out a pen and a piece of paper. I'll wait. All right, let me know when you got it. You got it? All right. Jot this down, 646-502-8600. What's that? You missed a digit or two? 646-502-8600. How's that? You missed it again? We don't want you. Sorry. Don't call if you missed it twice. Or you can stop by the Jester Radio chat room at www.jesterradio.com and then there's instructions. You know, the folks in the, cha- in the friendly Jester Radio chat room will let you know. The number or any other information you want to know, uh, how to send in a request or how to send us an email, all that stuff, how to instant message us. Such a show as Grandma Jester would say, uh, plus we're taking your requests. Um, you can make those requests at the website or you can phone them in. And we're going to take a look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours and... What's going on in that sick fucking world of mine? Which, by the way, nothing good. In case you're wondering. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Tastes just like pussy. Uh, 646-502-8600. Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you, especially me. Honestly, the first uh, seven callers, I won't say anything abusive to. All right. You know what? We'll see. All right. Time now for Jester Radio News coming to you from a secret location. Hi, top Jester Radio Studios. Up to a foot of snow today. Interrupted what had been a mild winter in much of the Northeast, created havoc for travelers, forcing the cancellation of more than 1,100 flights in the New York area alone. Nobody's going nowhere. 
Roads were slick throughout the region. There were hundreds of accidents. Uh, but Mayor Bloomberg urged people to look at the bright side. The timing is perfect if you think about it, he said. We'll have the whole weekend to clean up the mess. Yeah, what a bright, cheery um, guy he is. Of course, he's a billionaire. And, you know, I guess he doesn't think about like what normal people think about when there's a cold streak like that, especially in New York City. Uh, what about all those homeless people that are going to be dying over the weekend before you clean them up? That's what I always think about. If that didn't cheer up his constituents, the mayor also announced that free hot, cho- hot chocolate and free uh, sled rentals were available at one park in each of the city's five bureaus, uh, boroughs. Wow. Now that I can get behind. <laughs> you know, New York City used to do this cool shit like once in a while. There'd be like free subway, you know, for New Year's Eve. So nobody would drive, you know, drunk. That kind of shit I liked. Half a foot of snow fell in New York City, up to a foot. And, of course, the subways, at 3 in the morning, there was like, you know, 4 million people on every train. Half a foot of snow fell in New York City, up to a foot, was forecast in suburban counties, and up to 9 inches fell in parts of Connecticut. Storm warnings extended northward across Massachusetts and southern New Hampshire. In many places, snow was changing over to rain, sometimes freezing rain. Storm was not unusual for mid-February, but it was easily the New York area's most significant storm of the winter. The expansive system, which had brought everything from freezing rain to sleet to snow in parts of Kentucky, Missouri, and Illinois on Thursday, lumbered east and northward overnight. In Missouri, where the problem was mostly ice rather than snow, the state highway patrol city um, cited slippery roads as factors in accidents that killed five people Thursday and early Friday. By mid-afternoon Friday, there were 548 flight cancellations at New York's LaGuardia Airport, 368 at Newark Liberty International, and 197 at JFK. According to Steve Coleman, spokesman for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, displays at the three airports ranged from one to three hours. Delays, I should say. More than a quarter of the flights Philadelphia International Airport were canceled. Delays there reached up to four hours um, this morning. Many flights also were canceled at Boston's Logan International, where uh, delays range from three to six hours. So northeast, not a good uh, time to be uh, traveling by air or anyway, for that matter. Stay home. Have some of that free cocoa. Uh, or, Or, you know, if you're in New York City and walk. Violent protests rock Serb-dominated northern Kosovo today as mobs chanting Kosovo is ours. Hurled stones, bottles, and firecrackers at U.N. police guarding a bridge that divides Serbs from ethnic Albanians. The scenes evoked memories of the carnage unleashed by former Serb autocrat Slobodan Milosevic the last time Kosovo tried to break away from Serbia, which considers the territory its uh, ancestral homeland. You have another one of these... Um, ancient tribal wars like that are all over the globe. And what can we do about these things? They're just horrific. Uh, the, the, you know, the, their culture is mired in, uh, you know, centuries, millennia of uh, hatred. They were disturbing signs. Uh, the riots in Belgrade, Serbia, and in Mitravica have uh, the blessing of nationalists in the Serbian government. The government hopes somehow to undo the loss of the beloved province, the site of the epic battle between Serbs and Turks back in 1389. Who could forget? I have a tattoo, actually, on my 
S. Prime Minister Vojislav Kostunica, um, his authorities have repeatedly vowed to reclaim the land despite U.S. and other Western recognition of Kosovo statehood. Some hardline government ministers have praised the violent protests as legitimate and in line with government policies of uh, retaining control over Serb-populated areas. In Washington, Secretary of State Condi Rice said it was time for Serbs to accept that Kosovo is no longer theirs. She also suggested it was time to drop centuries of grievance and sentimentality in the Balkans. We believe that the resolution of Kosovo's status will really finally let the Balkans begin to put its terrible history behind it, she said. I mean, after all, we're talking about something from 1389. It's time to move <laughs> forward. <laughs> you know, I got to admit, she may be, uh, you know, the devil incarnate, and she may be evil to the core, but she's not stupid. Serbian President Boris Tadic called an emergency meeting of the National Security Council and said that rioting that engulfed the capital must never happen again. I most sharply condemn the violence, looting and arson, Tadic said in a statement. There's no excuse for the violence. Nobody can justify what happened yesterday. Kosovo's ethnic Albanian leaders declared independence from Serbia on Sunday. The province, which is 90% ethnic Albanian, has been under Serbia's control since 1999 when NATO launched airstrikes to halt a Serbian crackdown on ethnic Albanian separatists. A UN mission has governed Kosovo ever since. Time to break away. Federal authorities announced corruption charges today accusing Representative Rick Renzi of engineering a swap of federally owned mining land to benefit himself and a former business partner and stealing from the insurance company's clients. Lengthy federal investigation that had put the three-term Republican congressman under a cloud for more than a year culminated in a 26-page indictment issued yesterday against him and two other men. Renzi announced uh, on August 23rd that he wouldn't run for re-election in Arizona's mostly rural 1st Congressional District. Congressman Renzi deprived the citizens of Arizona of his honest services as United States elected representative U.S. Attorney Diane J. Humatawa said. The indictment's 35 counts includes charges of conspiracy, wire fraud. I love this wire fraud we're still using in 2008. I'm not sure which, the, which wire they're talking about there. Telegraph, telephone, internet, money laundering, insurance, fraud, extortion. Most of the charges against Renzi, 49, used his office to promote a land swap to collect a debt owed by James W. Uh, Sandlin of Sherman, Texas, a former Renzi associate. Renzi Sandlin and Andrew Beardall of Rockville, Maryland, another of the congressman's former business associates, were to be arraigned in Tucson on March 6. Convictions on the most serious charges carry maximum penalties of 20 years in the clinker. So that's what I'm rooting for. Every time they, they catch these corrupt sons of bitches, you know, uh, I mean, not, you know, not that every politician isn't corrupt, because they all are, obviously. It's just that I just, you know, there's this, there's this sort of sense of uh, gratification when one of them gets caught, you know? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown. Uh, this Friday, February the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2008. Got something to say about it? 646-502-8600. Just dial it up or Skype in 
Our Skype name is Chester Radio. Uh, hanging with uh, Louis Sid the Neighbor. Sid the Neighbor, the world-famous Sid the Neighbor, whose name is spoken in over 130 countries each and every evening, now has his own show on Saturday evening, and we're going to get you those details. And we may even be able to work out a simulcast so you can hear uh, Sid the Neighbor right there on your handy Jester radio. Money like that. And uh, what else? We got some other fun stuff coming up uh, this evening. Oh, and there's uh, Lulu in the Jester Radio chat room. How you doing there? Lulu, who apparently, although has a man's name, is in fact not a man. So, not sure what's up to that. Happy birthdays go out to uh, S. Poe, and coincidentally, his twin brother, G. Poe. Also to uh, Silver Dusk, otherwise known as Love Fool. You're listening to The Ravings of a Clown, uh, did you know that I go to sleep and leave my lights on? There's this sort of um, great poetic irony. There was a group, uh, you know, I, I guess this is, um, I think, 74, maybe 73, a group called Edward Bear, and they just struggled along for years, Canadian group. And uh, they had a huge hit with this, basically the last song that they ever had on the first and last song they ever had on the charts. Uh, and it was called Last Song. And basically what it's about is making the most difficult decision um, when somebody's really, really passionately um, in love and drawn to somebody um, and that other person is, you know, f for whatever reason, uh, unattainable, um, then there, you know, re there comes a time when a, a person feels like he just has to close that door. You know, the, ju just the fact that he keeps going and looking out that door to see if she's ready yet um, is just too fucking painful, too much. And I think we all get to that point. You know, it's at some point in, in our relationships, uh, in our interpersonal relationships. Uh, Edward Bear on Jess Radio, not a guy, but a group you're listening to the ravings of a clown on jester radio please don't fuck with that dial you know I'd go to sleep and leave the lights on hoping you'd come by and know that I was home still awake but two years go by and still my lights on this is hard for Time is 
spent wasting wondering where you are and you know there's a certain freedom and liberty in in giving up now i'm no longer waiting is wasting time waiting wondering where you are (laughs) fucking give a shit where you are hey that's uh, edward bear you're listening to the ravings of a clown on jester radio it's uh, friday february the 22nd the year of our Lord, 2009. Hanging with uh, Sid the Neighbor, Louie, and Espo in the Jester Radio chat room. What, hey? What, ho? I mean, why, it's uh, Espo's uh, birthday. Or at least it was um, less than 24 hours ago. Uh, that's my uh, happy birthday, old son. I think I've known uh, Espo since he was... Nine. No, what am I saying? Maybe seven. Something like that. Hey, uh, what else is going on? Five oh eight oh six six four six. What? I know the number around here. Calm down. Six four six five oh two eighty six hundred. Six four six five oh two eighty six hundred. Give us a call, and we'll get you on the air. Lickety split. Uh, also, uh, we're taking requests tonight. Anything you want to hear, let us know. We'll get it on the air within uh, 15 minutes, or I have my left testicle surgically removed live on air without the benefit of anesthesia. The uh, UN nuclear watchdog said today that Iran is defying a UN Security Council ban on uranium enrichment and accusing the U.S. and its allies of fabricating information to back up claims that Tehran is making nuclear weapons. Secretary of State Condi Rice said there was a very strong case for moving forward with a third round of sanctions against Tehran, while Iran said that the report's findings confirmed that its nuclear program is a peaceful one. <laughs> These guys, you know, they're living in a la-la land. This is what happens when you have like a, um, uh, you know, this kind of, um, they call it a, cult of personality you know where like a whole uh, government is based around one person and in this case one person who happens to be in advanced stages of gonorrhea because clearly the guy is insane and the guy who's running the country that is um, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and his ability to you know to, to, to answer simple uh, questions with the most blatant and horrific, uh, you know, bullshit, unabashedly, unapologetically, 
um, and then extends out to the rest of the government. And they, you know, just like he stood up at Columbia last year and said, I'm not, I don't know what you mean by homosexuals. We don't have that like you have in America. I mean, you know, the, the, fucking, the world was stunned to get that, uh, you know, um, response. And he just like had this wide-eyed, doe, you know, faced, you know, look like, what? What do you mean? What? We just don't have the homos. So now he's doing the same act. He's looking straight at the reporter. He's looking straight into the camera. He's going, it just confirms that we're, uh, you know, uh, that our nuclear program is a peaceful nuclear program. Like, on what fucking planet does this confirm? The IAEA came out and said, it's obvious that he's enriching uranium. There's a very good reason after the report to proceed to the third Security Council resolution, Rice said, adding that the report demonstrates that whatever the Iranians may be doing to try to clean up some elements of the past, it is inadequate. The 11-page report obtained by Jess Radio said Iran has not suspended its enrichment-related activities despite two sets of U.N. Security Council sanctions over fears that the program might be used to make weapons-grade uranium instead of the nuclear fuel Iran says that it's interested in. Instead, said the report, Iran uh, started the development of new generation centrifuges, an expansion of enrichment, and continued working under heavy water nuclear facilities. When finished, Iran could call them for plutonium, a possible fissile payload in nuclear warheads. That means uh, they can make nukes. At the same time, the International Atomic Energy Agency reported that uh, Tehran has cooperated in other areas of an IAEA probe, leading the agency to put to rest, for now, suspicions that several past experiments and activities were linked to a weapons program. Specifically, the report suggested the agency was satisfied with answers provided by Iran on the origin of traces of enriched uranium in a military facility, on experience, uh, experiments that they conducted with polonium, which can be used in a weapons program, and on purchases on the nuclear black market. So they were satisfied with their responses to those issues, but they say they're still enriching, and um, they're lying about it. They're, they're, they're increasing their capabilities. They're building center, centrifuges. And, uh, you know, the world is watching. Meanwhile, the, the uh, Bush administration continues to, you know, mount a case for invasion of Iran and furthering their uh, world invasion. Supported by air power, Turkish troops crossed into northern Iraq today in their first major ground incursion against Kurdish rebel bases in nearly a decade but Turkey sought to avoid confrontation with the U.S.-backed Iraq, saying that the guerrillas were its only target. So here we have a true Vietnam. The United States is in there supposedly uh, helping Iraq get back on its feet, get back on its feet, of course, from the blow that they suffered at the hands of who? Right, America. And uh, that, you know, uh, so... America's in there helping the Iraqis, and the Turkish now are invading Iraq, you know, gunning, <laughs> gunning down the uh, northern guerrillas. But they're saying, no, it's, you know, we, we have nothing to do with the American, you know, part of Iraq. 
But, you know, what part of this doesn't smell like Vietnam? You got two world powers, Russia and the United States, and uh, some, you know, little guy in between. The offensive, which started late yesterday after aircraft and artillery blasted suspected rebel targets, marked a dramatic escalation in Turkey's fight. By the way, uh, Turkey's actually doing America's job. Uh, 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 if successful, then Turkey will be eliminating these northern um, uh, radicals who are, of course, killing Americans. Uh, marked a dramatic escalation in Turkey's fight with the PKK rebel group, even though Turkish officials described the operation as limited. A military officer of the U.S.-led coalition in Iraq said on condition of anonymity that several hundred Turkish soldiers across the border. The coalition has satellites as well as drones and other surveillance aircraft at its disposal. Sky Turk TV said about 2,000 Turkish soldiers were in Iraq operating against rebel camps about two miles in from the border. NTV television said a total of 10,000 soldiers were in Iraq in an operation that had extended six miles past the border. So take your pick. The activity was reportedly occurring about 60 miles east of Caesar, a, city, a major city near the border. It's not possible uh, to independently confirm the size or scope of the attack on the Kurdistan Workers' Party or PKK which is considered a terrorist group by the United States and Europe. CNN Turk TV cited Turkish security officials uh, said the operation could last two weeks. So uh, the folks in the uh, Bush administration might want to take a look at what it looks like to get in and then you know, do what needs to be done and then get the fuck out. That's what the way all military operations should be. The idea that in this day and age, in 2008, we're having a six-year-long war. Oh, my God. Holy fuck. That's uh, very, very misguided. It just, doesn't, it just doesn't stand to reason. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio. It's Friday, February the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2009. And, uh, yeah, you heard me. Check your calendars. And uh, we got a little of the jester himself. Please don't touch that dial. More of what you listen to Jester Radio for. And it gets good right now. It's not dark yet, but it's 
we'll get to that one later. Not dark yet, but it's getting there. That's the jester himself on Jester Radio. My sense of humanity has gone down the drain. Behind every beautiful thing, there's been some kind of pain. She wrote me a letter, and she wrote it so kind. She put down in writing what was in her mind. Just don't see why I should even care. Not dark yet. But it's getting there. I know you know that feeling. Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Hanging with uh, Sid the Neighbor, Lulu, and uh, S. Poe in the Jester Radio chat room. Uh, Sid the Neighbor has uh, uh, his show tomorrow night, uh, Saturday, um, at uh, unitedradio.allforum.net. Unitedradio.allforum.net. I guess that's the uh, forum. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a link there to actually listen, but uh, I don't know. I guess you can find him uh, on United Radio somewhere. So I'm not sure what that's all about. But you can stop by the Jester Radio chat room, and Sid will be happy to explain everything. 646-502-8600-646-502-8600. Get you live on the air with your old pal, the Jester. Why not blow off a little steam? Not Why not say what's on your mind? Why not uh, uh, talk about uh, the, the shit that's going on with you? Uh, why don't I start it off? Uh, and at any time, feel free to pick up the phone and dial in. I've been talking lately about this thing with the Jeff. I know it seems like years I didn't talk about my relationship with her. And then, you know, I, I, I sort of revealed last week that, you know, I was a little, I think, hurt over the years that, um, you know, our relationship sort of fizzled. It went, uh, it just vanished. And, um, you know, one day she was introducing me as her, like, life partner to everybody, and one day she was introducing me as her bud to everybody. And so, um, you know, this was at a time when I had told her that I was specifically really working on not telling her my feelings because I've been talking about my feelings since I was five years old. I've been in therapy since I was five years old. And, you know, um, I was in drug rehab for a while, and there's a um, punishment in in, um, rehab where they shave your head because it's the ultimate punishment because it strips away all image. You know, there's no – nobody could act like a tough guy um, if you're you're bald unless your image is the bald guy. So there are people who can turn even, you know, the the best – type of object lesson into their own, you know, manipulation. And that's basically what I think I was doing a lot over the years is under the guise of saying to people, I want to tell you my feelings. I was really telling them what I need them to do for me. And every time I told them my feelings, I had these very high expectation and subsequent very high disappointment that they were not giving me what I fucking needed, whatever the hell it was. If I said to you, I'm hurt that you didn't, you know, call me up and, you know, ask me out to the movies, I'd be expecting you to ask me to the movies. That's what that meant. Not, I wasn't just telling you my feelings. 
So I felt that, you know, the relationship was going really well and it could withstand this kind of thing. And I said to her at one point, you know, I'm just, I'm going to not, you know, it's going to seem like I'm very private and I'm not going to be talking a lot, but we're going to be fighting a lot less. And, uh, and um, if you ask me, you know, how I am, I'm going to be more likely to say I'm fine, really, because everything is fine. It's not about you. It's about me. My, <clears throat> my feelings of anger and sadness and disappointment anyway towards other people are always about me anyway. All people's feelings about other people are really all about them anyway. All my feelings about you and, you know, are, are really about me, not you. So... And then one day I woke up and we were buds. And her girlfriend was giving me like a, ba a, a plastic bag full of shit to take home. So it was like, you know, in high school. Here, Jeff said to, to, to get rid of this shit. So I said to her, you know, so we, we talk on the phone, you know, all the time. And especially lately, her sister died and my sister died. And, uh, so... She said, so how you been doing? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed about, you know, what happened to us. What the hell ever did happen to us? She said, I don't know. I thought you were, like, pulling away. And, and you know, I know she's got a brain tumor. And I know she struggles every day. And you know what? That's, that's, you know, true. But I still think that she gets done what she wants to get done. But, you know, it's not about her. I mean, uh, uh, if she doesn't want to be with me, if anybody doesn't want to be with anybody, that's great. If, if there's nothing you could do, you can pine about it and you can be sad about it, but there's not, you know, you can't make somebody feel bad into loving you again. You know, once you start going down that, you know, that's a rat's nest. This, you know, this is a kind of a, 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 a fucked up uh, thing, you know, that you see a lot in our culture is this like, you know, hey, I gave you all of this and you owe me your love. You owe me this, you know, shit. Uh, if somebody doesn't really want to be with me more than like, you know, anything, then I don't want them. I don't want to fuck with them into loving me. I don't want to manipulate them into loving me. But yet I have this really strong desire to, to do the, that, that very thing, to manipulate them. You know, because Sigmund Freud said that we get stuck at the point in our life where we have the trauma. So, like, for example, if you have a trauma during this time that you're, like, anally fixated, then you retain that uh, anal fixation for the rest of your life. You're said to be anal retentive because you're stuck at that phase of your life. So uh, maybe I'm stuck at this, you know, point in my life where uh, because I wasn't getting the kind of emotional response I needed from people that I reached out and there was like this cold response that ever since then I've been doing the same thing, just reaching out, trying to get people to love me. You know, what do you do when you're a baby to get people to love you? You cry, you kick and scream. I mean, you would think that by the age of 48 that I would say, okay, this pattern is not working for you, Jess. Uh, you know, if somebody doesn't love you, throwing, <laughs> hurling yourself on the ground. You know, I mean, I used to call up chicks drunk from the bar, you know, and say, no, listen, I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm not even drunk. I just, I'm just going to ask one little question. I'm going to ask the question, and I'll ask the question, just ask the little question, and I'll hang up the phone. I promise. And the chick would be like, <sighs> What is it? And I would go, quiet. 
And the chick would say, what? Why? Why? And the chick would go, well, what do you mean? Why? 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 And I would start, like, pounding the, the receiver against the, <laughs> the, the uh, uh, payphone with plastic flying all over the place. This is like in a bar. So this was how, this was the, the me trying to get chicks to love me who, you know, didn't love me. So I'm sort of stuck even here this late in my life. And so we had this conversation recently. And, and then again, I was like over the house or we saw each other at a restaurant or something. And she was like, you know, so how you doing? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a little disappointed. I, I told you all these feelings. And a day went by, a week went by, you know, it's been a couple of, a few weeks, and I have still, haven't heard. I mean, at the time, she did make some comments like, oh, gee, I, I, I guess I thought it slipped away, and I thought our relationship sort of goes in and out, and, you know, she's kind of like wacky in that. So maybe, you know, maybe it's partially because I'm not enough for her, and maybe it's partially because nothing's enough for her. Maybe that's just the way she is. So she's just sort of very dissatisfied. She gets sort of um, disillusioned very easily and disappointed and sort of um, you can't, she, she can't like sort of get that fixed. You know, once somebody falls from grace, I think, uh, in her eyes, that's, you know, the death knell. But... That's, you know, not, that's not my problem. Because the truth is, when I evaluate, you know, who I am and who I've been in the relationship since I was 14 years old, I have never loved anybody, um, even an iota. Even, even, when, even when I went through other relationships and I told women my whole life along the way that I love you, I love you, even in that, compared to the way I felt towards the Jeff... It was sort of like play acting. Never felt that real, like I really wanted to be with her all the time, really wanted her to like me, and really like sort of had this um, uh, sort of sense that she was with me all the time and looking at me, and I was always trying to like be my best and be noble and, uh, and be, you know. So even being with her in my life made me sort of want to be like the best jester, you know, I could be. Which is a cool thing. I've had that very, you know, little with relationships in my life. Where, you know, most relationships in my life, you know, I, 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 I just feel like, you know, I'm sort of soaring above, you know, my partner. You know, like I'm trying so much harder and working so much and, and have, you know, been there and done that and, you know, and worked on all these things and don't have time to stand around and wait for them to kind of catch up to me. You know, it sounds cold, but like I said, if you've been in therapy since you were five years old and looking at yourself and, you know, um, so, so tonight she says to me, um, so, so how you doing? I had to stop by and drop something off at her house. I said, I'm fine. She goes, so you want to come in and hang out? And I said, you want to talk? And she was like, oh, yeah, sure. I said, okay, then I'll hang out. I, 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 she was like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Do you want to talk, talk? 
And I said, well, is there something you want to talk about? And she said, well, I, I don't like have an agenda. And I said, okay, then we're good. See you later. And I got, and I got into the car and I started driving away and I started thinking about Edward Bear. And I started thinking about, um, it's maybe it's time for me to close that door um, to that, you know, just a, a sort of nonstop flow of bad feelings, of sort of this, uh, uh, this, you know, kind of like getting kicked in the gut. I always feel like I'm going to like vomit every time I uh, go through one of these uh, experiences with her. And I'm doing this for 35 fucking years. Otherwise, I'm a fairly normal person. You know, I, 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 I like curse this relationship. It's such a, you know, primary relationship with me. Um, and I fucking hate it, and I, and I regret it, except for the fact that I've done all my best shit behind this relationship. I've done all my best growing behind this relationship, sometimes when it ended and sometimes when it started. I've done all my best songwriting behind this relationship. I've fallen the hardest. You know, for a poet, there is no fucking better muse than this type of person who... Uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, keeps you uh, dangling, you know? Keeps you hanging on, like uh, Vanilla Fudge would say. Anyway, I'll tell you what the, uh, the end of that story is. Meanwhile, please don't fuck with that doll. You're listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. Leave it right where it is.
on Jester Radio, isn't it? Hey, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on JR. We heard from Vanilla Fudge before that. You keep me hanging on. That's just how it feels. I know you know that feeling, don't you? Set me free. Why don't you? Get out of my life. Why don't you? <laughs> you don't really love me. You just fucking keep me hanging on. And, you know, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm sure it's just more than her world can handle. You tune into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio coming to you from a secret location so that you can't come down here and throw shit at us like rotten vegetables. As I have wandered through this world and as each moment has unfurled, I've been waiting to awaken from these dreams. People just go just where they will. And I never noticed them until I got this feeling that it's later than it seems. And that's probably where I stand right now is that I realize it's later than it seems and that um, here I am on the perhaps threshold of closing this door to this huge uh, thing in my life um, and maybe it'll make me a healthier person, but then I have to sort of face the what then, you know, like the little kid. After you read, you know, there's the, the story, and you slam closed the uh, book, and you go, eh, and then the prince and the princess lived happily ever after. The kid goes, then what happened? <laughs> you know, well, uh, you know, uh, there's always a, you know, then what happened? Obviously, everything in my world doesn't, you know, they, they don't just come over and, you know, give me the, uh, Ed McMahon doesn't just give me the Publishers Clearinghouse lottery winnings and everything, you know, is fine from there. Then what? Then what? what after all, what are my prospects? I am uh, virtually, you know, unlivable with, unhabitable. I'm just, uh, you know, dark and moody and sad, and, and, and I hold the other person in my life responsible for all those feelings all the time. Nobody wants to have anything to do with somebody like that. The only reason that, uh, you know, I even have a, a, a chance uh, with somebody like the Jeff is only because, you know, I have so much of that, like, pity factor involved. We've known each other since we were 13 years old. 
So there's like a come on, can't you do it for me, you know, kind of element to our relationship. You know, does she feel like lucky that she's, you know, with me? Uh, maybe once, but not obviously now. Hey, you're live on the air uh, with the jester. Who's calling? Hello. And uh, so we're having a problem with this now, huh? Great. Let's see what we can do. Hello, can you hear us? Are you there? You're live on the radio. Hey, hey, hey. hey who's this? <laughs> it's as Poe. Hey, happy hey. birthday, Sonny Jim. Uh, don't call me that. How's the yeah. weather where you are? Six six inches uh, of snow. Never mind. Nobody cares. That's actually a good question. Nobody really cares. So yeah, what's up with you, buddy? Happy birthday. What are you, 47 now? Honestly, you don't look a day over 46. And I mean that from my heart, Bobby. <laughs> hey, well, How old were you? To... How old were you when you and I met? How old were you? Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> 11 or 12. How old was you I when met I met Bruce? Bruce yeah. How many years before your bar mitzvah? Right. Like probably a couple like maybe when we were 11, I would say. Uh, I would be 9. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's your point? Oh, well, hey, I'm inviting you to come live in Pennsylvania. Now that you and Jeff are Splitsville. Really? Yeah. Got a nice little spread of land out here. Computers that need fixing. And uh, what about real estate? What's the situation down there? Dirt cheap. Really? Well, yeah. that's That's my kind of land. Well, that's a very actually, yeah. Actually, for what you get there in uh, the universe of North Carolina, yeah, uh, it's probably cheaper oh. out there. Yeah, there's nothing cheaper than down south. Let me tell you, for what I pay for an apartment here, you you couldn't get a parking space in Manhattan. Yeah, but we're talking about seventy miles from Manhattan. And yeah, that's still you know, that's that's close enough. It's close enough. So, but that's a rather tempting offer, and plus the uh, twelve feet of snow on average you get every winter is very tempting as well. It keeps people from moving too fast. That, well, I guess that's a good thing. So, what'd you do for your birthday? Uh, my sweet little honey took me out for food. And what did you have? <laughs> Cold and rainy. <laughs> Excuse me. No, what 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 kind of food? Pizza, Who Chinese. Who cares? I care. <laughs> Ask me why she's going into rehab. So what's the deal? Why is your old lady going into uh, drug rehab? She's claiming that her shrink got her hooked on too many uh, pills. So she's still in phase one denial. It's a it's her shrink's <laughs> well, fault. Now she's getting closer to not denial. She's at least checking herself into rehab. And what does, for the sake of your listening audience, what does <clears throat> your honey do for a living? You're saying that she has a shrink, and of course she herself is a shrink. Yeah, well, she's not really a shrink. She uh, works in that sort of field, but she burnt out and quit and worked in a gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it once a shrink, always a shrink? 
I'm no professional. I don't know. Yeah, well, you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> so that's pretty much uh, the story. She's uh, she's addicted to alcohol and pills, like uh, like the song said. She is, yeah. So she's finally deciding that uh, she's of that age where it's time to take care of business. Uh, because she's on the verge of being no longer able to bear children? Yes. Okay. So she wants to get that behind her so that she can bear children, she can bear your lo- fruit of your loins? Not necessarily mine. Well, whose then? <laughs> Whoever's next in line. If not yours, whoever's <laughs> next in line. Well, that would be me if I was living there, wouldn't it? <laughs> How do you feel? I may as well clear this with you now. How do you feel about me asking out if in the future you happen to break up with Robin, how would it be then that if I asked her out? She likes you. Would you be okay with that? With my blessing. You know, remember the guy, Lord of Sin, that lived upstairs? You started dating his wife? Well, when he moved out of here, he told me about a week before he was leaving and I said, well, look, I don't want to be too cold, but how long after you're gone? You know, he was living with that chick upstairs, you know, Carolyn. And the teacher. So the teacher, right. So he says, so I said, how long after you move out? Is it okay if I, he goes, what do you mean how long? You can go up there now. I'll wait. I'll wait right here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that pretty much what you're saying? Yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. Not because it's just wrong and it would permanently harm our relationship and I care about you too much, but I don't want your sl- your nasty, sloppy seconds. Thank you very much. You there? Hey, you want to step outside? Oh, I see. All right, well, thanks for calling in. I do appreciate hey, the offer. Don't, don't hang up. Just let, let me hang out here on the sidelines. Okay. You hang out right there. Um, we're going to get back to, I wanted to finish my story uh, about uh, what happened tonight with the Jeff. So, I've dropped off the shit. She says to me, you know, well, I have no you know, kind of agenda. And I said, we're good. And I sort of like gave that kind of forced smile but um, clearly, like, you know, like, you know, it's like we're having a fight. You know, we're sort of dis- we're arguing, you know, and it's not everything's not great between us. And as I'm sort of walking away, I think I sort of like sigh or roll my eyes. I mean, I, I just, you know, couldn't fucking totally contain myself. And then I look up and I see she's got this like really pained look on her face. And then I. I left, and I'm, and this is what I struggled with. I never feel like anybody, the second I walk out the door, like anybody ever remembers me. This is my, this is my problem. So everything I do, everything I feel towards people is based on the fact that I'm unlovable and that the second I'm out of their sight campaigning for their love, that I vanish in their minds. And the second I walk out, I realize that she's been telling me our whole lives that our relationship is huge to her and that when we're on the outs, it fucks up her whole life. 
And I always like assumed she was saying that because it was the thing to say, not because it was true. Only word toward, would twer that it were. Um, but then it occurred to me that second, the second that it all this gelled together, that everything is everything, and that um, you know I'm independent of my feelings for other people. That it's it's about my feelings towards you are are about me, not you. They tell you more about what's going on in my life. If I'm hurt or I'm angry towards you, that tells you what's happening with the jester. And at that moment, it occurred to me that she is going to have a fucking bad evening. For the first time in 35 years in our entire relationship, it occurred to me that she doesn't deal with the things the same way I do, so she's not inclined to pick up the phone and go, let's deal with this, this really sucks. She's much more inclined to just disappear off the face of the earth, but she's going to be torturing herself over this. So now i got a whole new set of problems to deal with. Because now that I'm aware of all that, then what are my obligations? Do I pick up the phone and call her up or go over there and say, uh, I, I'm aware that I, pro you know, I, I worry that I made you feel bad and I feel guilty that, I, you know, that, you, that you feel you know, bad and guilty about this whole thing. Now what the fuck do I do? I can't even in all good conscience, uh, uh, easily walk away from the relationship now. I mean, I could, but... I'm obviously not gonna. Anyway. What kind of arrangements did you make when you flew down there initially? I uh, moved in with her. Well, with plans of getting married or anything like that? No, I don't, uh, I don't believe in marriage. And she didn't either, I guess. I think we both had, you know, sort of come to that over her. She had just gotten out of her second marriage when when I flew down. She was still married. Right, and so the you didn't have any sort of set plans or set guidelines of what the relationship was going to be. About. No, honestly, I don't know if such a thing works, and um, I don't. Uh, um, you know, I don't believe in like, you know, I don't believe that a human can commit themselves for life to in a relationship. I think you could say I commit myself, you know, and if I and if for now or if in the foreseeable future, and if ever any of those feelings change, you'll be the first to know. Right. But you also were dealing with someone with an operable brain tumor at the time. Still. So you, you knew that there was. Much more limited time than, and that's why you know, none of those, all those things flew out the window. All that was on my mind was, you know, th this is this is my MacArthur Park. You know, where do I, uh, um, you know, I have to, you know, just grab those last few moments, um, you know, at any cost. And I guess right. I didn't really give a lot of thought to. Uh, you know, a few years out. And the bloom is off the rose, you know. And besides, anybody living with me, see, this is what I'm trying to say, Poe. Anybody living with me uh, after the long run is going to, you know, fall to that position. That they got to get away. Yeah, so why do you think that's a rule? Because I'm uninhabitable. And what, and what is it exactly about you? 
Uh, well, I mean, do I have to tell you? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, dark, moody, angry, sad, manipulative, uh, you know, person. Who, right, and, and what is she, an angel? Well, no, she's definitely not an angel. She's got her problems, definitely. But she can be lived with? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, really? definitely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she seems like a reasonable enough uh, person. Yeah, I definitely think it's me. <laughs> Honestly, it's definitely me, at least at this point. So if I ever get well enough that it becomes her, I'll let you know. But um, so You have a list of things you have to cross off in order to be livable? Actually, you know, I'm a lot better now. I think you've seen that, too. But uh, I think I'm livable now. I think well, I can manage it now. There you go. So I guess this is why now that, you know, that's a good point. But because now that I think that I'm more of in a position to actually act like an adult and a human in an interpersonal relationship, now I'm look, looking back and saying, why the fuck, you know, whatever happened to this relationship and saying, you know, now why don't I pursue this? And this is, a, and, and I haven't even gotten to the real tragic part of this story. Because the real tragic part of the story is when I get home and I close the door behind me and it's me, myself, and I again, and, uh, you know, empty rooms that echo as I climb the stairs to empty clothes that drape and fall on empty chairs. And I think to myself, is this my lot in life? I'm not built for, you know, a, 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 a lifetime of isolation. I'm not cut out for that, uh, you know, type of uh, life. So then, yeah, well, then what's to become of me? It doesn't seem like your breakup was uh, strong enough. It too, too, it's too, f too flaky of a breakup. Yeah. Yeah, you I agree. definitely air it out before you walk away. Well, well, I told her, I gave her the opportunity. I said twice now, is there something you want to fucking talk about? And twice she said no. So I'm not going to sit her down and say, why this and how come you that? And I'm not going to turn my feelings into her problem. If it's something she's interested in, deal in pursuing, then she'll tell me, look, I have these feelings I want to tell you. And uh, if not, then she won't. Right, but maybe she's waiting for you to say the same things. I've said all those things. I said all when, that. When was the last time? A couple of days. I mean, a couple of months ago, a month ago, maybe. When yeah. I said it the first time, I said it once. Once is enough. I'm not going to hammer it into the ground. That's my problem. I, I fucking hammer p shit into people, you know. Hey, listen, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, not every life is a success story. You know what I mean? There are some that you just, you know, all, you know, it's not like the, you know, the the religious people who think all life is sacred or some. Lots of life is disposable. It's meaningless. So I'm not one of these, you know, stories that worked out came that fucking close. You know, I I I met a guy the other day that was in a big band. Uh, he was in a big band that was in a that that had a guy in it who was in the Tommy Dorsey band, you know, he came that close to fame, like for over 50 years, uh, you know, brushing with people who brushed with fame, and he just never made it. Yeah, so what does that have to do with you? I'm saying not every story is a success story, you know? Uh, yeah, but I mean, you're still writing the story. 
Yeah, but you know, if it's because you know, the thing is, is now I'm 48 years old, see, and I'm and I'm you know living alone, and uh, you know, if I don't have a girlfriend, I mean, uh, you know, who's the fuck's gonna want to be with me now? I'm, yeah, well, I'm that's, I'm you know, I'm, fendi- have, I'm well, finished, I'm finished, as Grandma Jester used to say. I'm I don't finished. think you cut it off clean enough. You have to go back and say, you have to say, uh, you know, I'm can't say about shit. N- never speaking to you again and, and leaving your life. And uh, I just wanted, you know, to get your feelings on that. Hmm. Yeah, well, maybe we'll do that on the air. Maybe I'll give her a call. And we'll That'll do be the, great. And we'll do that on the air. And then I'll tell her afterwards that uh, that was that was live. <laughs> hey, I'm right behind you on that one. Are you? Yeah. You like that plan? Yeah, leave me on hold. <laughs> you no are referee. so fucking sick. I'm going to hang up on you. I'll talk to you ah. later. That's uh, Poe, 47 years old. Uh, and coincidentally, his twin brother. Also, same birthday. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Friday, February the 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2008. Hanging with Sid the Neighbor, Louis Luai, and uh, Espo. Now, Louis Luai, see, now this is a, like a vibrant, intelligent, gorgeous, ultra-hot woman my age who is very dear and sensitive and tender, you know, um, very sort of um, ma- maternal, uh, you know, really the kind of perfect fucking woman for me, honestly. Uh, she argues up a storm. She believes in shit that's totally contrary to the shit that I believe in. And sh- when I say my shit, she fucking, you know, throws her shit in. And then I throw my shit in. I say, you're an idiot. And she goes, no, you're a fucking idiot. And then we, you know, argue back and forth. And then she goes, look, I got to run. I'll talk to you later. And that's, you know, that's it. That's the perfect kind of person for me. But I'm never going to get a, 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 she's married to a fucking minister in West Texas. She's the minister's wife. That's my problem. The kind of women that are good for me, there's none of them left. If there's anything Hollywood loves more than a spotlight, it's a glamorous party, and it doesn't get any more glamorous than the Academy Awards. As celebrities flock to Los Angeles from all over the world, the city itself is a buzz. With all things Oscar, the Kodak Theater swarms with activity as stand-ins and stars rehearse for a Sunday's big shoe. Camera-toting tourists and film fans fill the Hollywood and Highland complex that surrounds the theater. Stylists flit about town, gathering pricey jewels to bedeck the necks, earlobes, wrists, and lapels of their red carpet clients. It all feeds the magic of one of the world's greatest pageants, the Academy Awards. The 80th annual Academy Awards show promises lots of surprises, less than three and a half hours running time. Producer Gil Cates said today, as he and uh, director Louis J. Horvitz and the Film Academy president Sid Gaddis took questions from the press about Sunday's show. Sitting beneath a clear plastic rain tent that shielded the red carpet and its occupants from drizzly skies, Kate's promised a dry Oscar day. I'm confident the weather is going to be okay on Sunday, he said, ignoring the current forecast to the contrary. If it rains, it'll be good for the flowers, added Gaines, who sat behind 
a bucket of yellow roses. As the trio talked about uh, the rain tent, the red carpet show, uh, host Regis Philbin uh, popped in to say hi and to thank Cates for inviting him to the biggest circus in town. I started the red carpet segment on KABC when I worked there in the 70s, and it was a big hit, Philbin said. We just took a camera down there, and the red carpet was there. And uh, Academy Awards. 80th Academy Awards. Man, what a scene. What a zoo, huh? I've never been there to the Academy Awards. I'd like to go sometime before I die. It's on my bucket list. Jennifer Lopez gave birth today to twins, making the singer uh, and the husband, Mark Anthony, the parents of a boy and a girl, after one of the pop music's most closely watched uh, pregnancies. She's thrilled. Lopez's manager, Simon Fields, told Jester Radio, he said the babies were born just after midnight this morning. Fields confirmed the girls arrived first, weighing five pounds, seven ounces. The boy is six pounds even and arrived about 15 minutes later. He arrived. It's, <laughs> it's fucking 2008, and we're still talking like as if, you know, we're not sure that the audience knows how babies get there. So we're not going to give it away. The baby arrived. The stork arrived 15 minutes later with the second one. At a Long Island hospital, the location was not identified. Ending months of speculation, Lopez confirmed her pregnancy. And, you know, I was, like, dying. I was speculating like crazy more than anybody at a Miami concert. Actually, the first I heard that uh, Jennifer Lopez was pregnant was today when I heard that she had twins. Her father, uh, David Lopez, told Telefutures Escondado TV earlier this month that the 39-year-old singer was expecting twins. Lopez and Anthony, uh, 38, married in 2004. The twins are her first children and his fourth and fifth. And you can learn more about uh, this uh, with a wondrous event at www.jenniferlopez.com. Fidel Castro said today he made the right call when he called it quits and is exhausted and overdue for a vacation. The old man can't put away his pen just yet, not when the U.S. presidential candidates are one-upping each other to show who's toughest on Cuba. After a uh, Thursday night debate which Democrats Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Obama argued about how best to push for change in Cuba, Republican John McCain bluntly said today that he hopes Castro will die very soon. With comments like these flying around the campaign trail and the White House dissing his younger brother Raul's dictator light, Castro said he couldn't hold back. I enjoyed observing the embarrassing position of all the presidential candidates in the United States. One by one, they could be seen forced to proclaim their immediate demands of Cuba so as not to alienate a single voter, Castro wrote. Change, change, change. They shouted in unison, I agree, change, but in the United States. Now 81 and ailing, Castro wrote that uh, preparations for Cuba's new parliament to select a new government on Sunday produced days of tension that left me <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> this is another one of these people that lies with a straight face, uh, like uh, Mahmoud Dinejad, 
who says, you know, that uh, he's all a, t- a, f- a Twitter about the election as if, uh, you know, the fix wasn't in. On Tuesday, he announced he wouldn't accept another term as president. Decision, he said, uh, he doesn't regret. I slept better than ever. He wrote, my conscience was clear, and I promised myself a vacation. And after all, why shouldn't his conscience be clear? Uh, He's only killed thousands of uh, innocent people, and he's a ruthless mass murderer. So, sure, his conscience should be uh, completely clear. Hillary Rodham Clinton accused presidential rival Barack Obama of political plagiarism last night, but she drew boos from a Democratic debate audience when she ridiculed him as the candidate of change you can Xerox. Obama dismissed the charge out of hand and then turned the jeers to applause when he countered, why shouldn't uh, we be spending time, uh, you know, tearing each other down? We should be spending time lifting the country up. The exchange marked an unusually pointed moment in an otherwise civil encounter in the days before the March 4 primaries in Texas and Ohio contests that even some of Clinton's supporters say that she must win to sustain her campaign of the White House. So I saw these debates, and like all these network debates, they're meaningless. The questions are fixed, and they don't have long enough answers, and they're all rehearsed, uh, and it's all one-upmanship, and it's all about getting that sort of uh, uh, advantage, uh, which swings back and forth, um, and uh, it's sickening to watch. Uh, you know, they sell us the president the same way they sell us our clothes and our cars, uh, said uh, Jackson Brown. Uh, and, uh, the, the, you know, the, these people are just so slick and so over the top. But, uh, you just don't feel like you're, you know, you would have any idea what the fuck they would do once they got in office other than to intuit from their actions. So, I see that Hillary is sort of a little smarmy lately. I think that's because she's sweating. And I think Barack um, is um, very calm and cool and collected, which I tell you, I like as a trait. Um, Even if he's um, failing in a situation, or even if he's unsure of himself, he sort of takes a beat, he thinks... He sort of uh, talks with sort of calm conviction. He's extremely articulate and intelligent. And uh, so these are recent observations that I've been making uh, about uh, the field. Obviously, McCain, uh, nothing's going to happen with him. I'm still sticking with uh, uh, the the, the fact that, um, you know, uh, there's ne- there's not going to be a Republican president, not after the fiasco we just uh, got over. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio. More of what you listen to Just Radio for coming up and maybe some uh, thoughts and some closing thoughts about my dilemma and maybe hopefully somebody will uh, call in and uh, give me some advice. 646-502-8600-646. uh, this one goes out to uh, Robin. Leave it right where it is. Hank Williams He came up from Montgomery With heart full Broken country songs But Nashville, Tennessee Didn't really understand him Cause he did 
things differently than the way that they were done. But when he finally made it to the grand old opera, he made it stand still. He ended up on alcohol and pills. Sometimes somebody just doesn't wake up one day. Sometimes it's a heart attack. And sometimes they just don't say. But they pulled poor old Hank Williams out of a Cadillac Coupe de Ville. And he ended up on alcohol and pills. 
That's a terrible combination, boy. That's what my wife uh, had. Was uh, alcohol and pills. That's what she was addicted to. Hey, you've been listening to the ravings of a clown on Just Radio, such as it is. The uh, podcast, by the way, will not have a <laughs> 10 minutes of dead air in the middle. It'll be all cut up and fixed up for you. So on behalf of Bob the Engineer and Dolly the Receptionist and yours truly, thanks so very much for spending uh, some of your evening with us, which would have a part of it that uh, we were around. Bob asked to remind you that uh, the podcast will be available shortly in your handy podcast aggregator, including iTunes, which features Just the Radio. Simply search for Ravings of a Clown. Um, or you can go to JustRadio.com, click on Podcast, and there's a direct link there that will automatically add uh, the Ravings of a Clown podcast to your uh, daily feed. Uh, so, anyway, here we stand, like so many times before, um, on the verge of a decision. Maybe no decision will be made anyway, but uh, more likely than not, something probably needs to be done. I guess I've sort of reached that uh, phase in my life. Not sure if um, uh, if I'll follow Poe's advice by you know instigating a discussion, um, because I'm not sure that at this point in my life I want to have any argument, any discussions that don't start with I. I want to say how I feel, and this is what I'm motivated to do, and if somebody else is motivated to tell me how they feel, then I, I'm, I welcome them. Uh, but I'm not going to ask people to tell me how they feel, especially about our relationship, because I think, you know, uh, at this point, I'm at the point in my life where if I'm not with somebody who's not, motivated to do that on their own then i don't fucking want them i want somebody who really wants to be with me all the time that pines for me and that uh, you know that that fantasizes when they're not with me that i'm overhead watching them that's who i want to be with and let me tell you something i remember back when we were 15 years old, 16 years old, and we first started thinking about romance. And we were driving around with a couple of our buddies, um, Alan Garber and Jack Loftus, and they had gone into a Harley-Davidson dealership on Northern Boulevard, and they were looking at motorcycles, and we were sitting in the back of the car, and we were talking about how when we got older, we were going to travel around the world and we were just going to do sort of like pop into town and turn people on to like our amazing way of, you know, talking real about our feelings and like sort of fix Lone Ranger style, you know, all this shit that's, you know, going on. Maybe work for a few days or weeks in the uh, general store there or sweeping up around the uh, barn. I guess we were planning on doing this in the late 1700s, apparently. But we were thinking about traveling around. And then we would work for a little while, you know, sort of doing that hippie ideal. You know, that's what our fantasy was back in, you know, 1975 was the, you know, hippie ideal. And um, like, uh, you know, like that, uh, like that song. 
traveling and living off the land. And that's what I think, um, the, you know, the, that's when I think the disappointment for me started, when you know, that didn't work out. And then we moved in together, you know. Uh, first we had sex, and then we didn't see each other for like four years after the first time we had sex. And then we moved in together, and we lived together, and, and, and you know, uh, basically, you know, f- we're at each other's throats. You know, after the first couple of months, we were like, you know, madly crazy in love with each other. But again, you know, my sort of very dark uh, kind of, uh, you know, um, moody, uh, angry, you know, kind of hostility just poisoned the relationship. And within, you know, like a year and a half, we were broken up and went our separate ways. And and then, you know, 24 years came and went. And uh, I, I called her up one day, a couple of days after 9-11, you know, it was her birthday. And I was thinking, you know, at any moment of this, you know, it could have very easily have been me. I could have been downtown easily at the time. And... Um, I had always thought, you know, in my mind, uh, always uh, thought that uh, after all the loves of my life, I'd be thinking of her and wondering why, like uh, Jimmy Webb said, that I would uh, drink the wine while it is warm and, and never let her catch me looking at the sun. And after all the loves of my life, she'd still be the one. And uh, that I would, you know, take my life into my hands and I would use it and win the worship in their eyes and lose it and have the things that I desire and my passion flow like rivers to the sky. And um, and then still, you know, have it all. And, um, you know, saying it and meaning it and wanting it and writing songs about it and living your life for it, none of those things make it so. And now here I am, you know, faced with the very real prospects of uh, of um, this being a permanent condition of having to give up that pursuit now after the majority of, you know, my living years uh, and, you know, move on to more solitude, solitary pursuits, uh, um, uh, become more popular on the radio uh, make my business, my consulting business, much more uh, profitable, and you know, uh, you know, maybe do some volunteer work, spend more time with my girls. Uh, just, um, just don't know about that. Uh, I'd like to think that that would be uh, a way for me, but. Uh, you know, if after all those things, then I sort of at the end of the day go home and, uh, you know, <laughs> empty rooms that echo as I climb the stairs to empty clothes that drape and fall on empty chairs. Don't, I just don't want that, man. That's not me. That's not my, you know, I, I got to say that's what scares me more than anything else, more than, uh, you know, heights. And uh, more than, you know, slipping and dying in the bathtub and having, you know, somebody find me like a month later. Uh, more than any of those things, uh, the, this, this, the prolonged, um, excruciating solitude is what scares me the most. 
Just not cut out for that. So what to do? Indeed. I guess uh, those are questions for another day. But we will meet in that place where darkness never comes. And I uh, promise you that. Uh, you know, these are my best two hours of the day. And it's, uh, and it's uh, because of you. And I do appreciate uh, and love you uh, for listening. Um, after all, without you, you know, where would I be? I remember to this day the bright red Georgia clay and how it stuck to the tires after the summer rain. Willpower made that old car go. A woman's mind told me that so. And I wish we were back on the road again. Lobo ties it up for you tonight on JR. Good night. See you tomorrow.
Took a look down a westbound road Right away I made my choice Headed out to my big two-wheeler I was tired of my own voice Took a beat on the northern plains And just rolled that power on Pretty soon. 